All right. So, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Iglap the Main Show. It's me, your host, Paolo. And for today, we are doing part two of my awesome episode, Marcella, because part one, the first episode of this season, was already past two hours. And I know that we were so far off in terms of what we want to talk about and all of these things. So let's see about part two, where we go. Maybe my might have a part three or part 10. I have no idea. But welcome back to Iglap, Marcella. So, hey, Marcella. Hello. <laughs> yeah, so finally, we have our part two after that that break. So what have you been up to, actually? I mean, aside from, you know, studying and all of that, like, have you seen any new stuff on Netflix or something? Yes. I um, actually started watching Jenny in Georgia, mainly because it's about, like, I could relate to it in a way that I just moved with my mom. Yeah. So it's it's been pretty good. I just don't get why... Jenny's got issues with Georgia because I think she's cool, but you know, it's maybe it's just cool. for the story. So, like, un- understandably, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, for reasons, but like, that. Yeah, come on, like, give your mom some credit. She's really trying, you know. Yeah, wait. So, yeah. I wanted to ask you. So, you know, I, I mean, obviously, I consider you like a very deep person. Like, what's what would you consider like the deepest film you've seen? deepest film like it's a film where you watch it and you're like wow this film is deep like you know in terms of like life and all of that or even just like the messaging i don't know like i'm i'm not the type to watch uh shallow stuff is that the word for it? shallow i don't know like maybe, I don't... Shallow, maybe um yeah let's just use shallow because i can't think of a better term but yeah like i i'm not big on comedy rom-com or romance it's always about like a mystery step deep okay. story <laughs> my head is telling me the haunting of hell house but i'm not <laughs> i don't want to that. though that's a show i know i know wait i there's this movie. I forgot what it's called. It's got Nicholas Holt in it. Um, Nicholas? The Menu? No, I haven't seen that, but I want to. Like, you've seen it's the meme? Good. It's where, What's good. his name? Ralph Fiennes, was it? Yeah, Ray Fiennes, yeah. He goes like, ah, oh, yes, Harry Potter. The boy who lived. Come to dine. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, nah, nah, I'm old. <laughs> I just say excellent, excellent film. I, I would I do be my top 50. Yeah. Like if you know the director, um Stephanie. Oh, how do you say it? Lying? Stephanie Lying? Lang? What film did she make? Uh her films are the the most recent one I've seen was um Irreplaceable You. Oh no! Uh, I've actually never even heard of her. Stephanie it's Lee. it's not it's not like painfully deep, but like it's it's a, it's a cozy watch. Um, oh, what was Nicholas Holt's movie? I'm totally. I, don't even, I spell I spelled her name right. Okay. Th- so I don't even. Not- I wouldn't know about deep, but like. Okay. I've seen a lot of good movies. That's that's something that I thought of. And ah, newness. N e w n e s s. Like it's. Um. So it's 
That one, um, Irreplaceable You, Newness, and oh, I'm sorry, it's Drake Deramus. Oops. <laughs> Newness. Okay. So and, it's starring um, it's starring Nicholas Holt, Danny Houston, Matthew Gray Gobbler from Criminal Minds. Okay. And uh, one one more. Um, you know her, Joaquin. Oh yes. That one. There we go. Okay. So I, I like that you mentioned her because here's here, so like okay that was directed by Spike Jones. Okay. Who um, directed another film I enjoyed, which is called Being John Malkovich, which I think you should see. I think you would enjoy that film very much. Um, but here's the funny thing. My favorite film of all time is Lost in Translation, starring uh, Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. And it's directed by Sofia Coppola, who's one of my favorite directors. So the reason why I mentioned this is Sofia Coppola and Spike Jones used to be married. And when you look at what people consider both their masterpieces, which is Lost in Translation and Her, it's both about two people in Lost in Translation, Scarlett Johansson in a loveless marriage. They're both really young. And in Her, it's about um, Joaquin Phoenix's character, who was in a, who, who I guess he was in a loveless relationship or something like that to the point that he fell in love with an android, right? I mean, yeah, the yeah. Whole, so both films, people are saying that both films are how they viewed each other's marriage and how they viewed each other's partner. Wow. So that's why I, when her came out and I watched it, I was like, is he trying to say something? Because when I watched Lost in Translation, I was like 12, uh, 11 when I saw it. I didn't really think of it that way. Then when I kept watching it over the years and I found out that he's married and all that, then her came out. I was like, Okay, these two people are somewhat showing the world how they viewed each other's each other and their marriage. So sorry, I just had to bring it up since you brought. No, yeah, I uh, I never really looked into the private lives of directors and the implications of that on their film. I mean, I think we all know Johnny Depp was Johnny Depp. Sorry, what's the? He's my he's my childhood favorite. Tim Burton. Uh, he's he's my childhood favorite. I guess that's why growing up I was kind of a weird kid. <laughs> um, there's like uh, there was an interview with Johnny Depp where he said, "You know what? Tim's always having me kill his wife. Well, ex-wife now." Um, oh, and he said, Helena. Like he he was like, "Dude, how old are you? How <laughs> how long have you been away from the internet?" <laughs> no, no, it's not that. I just thought that they were still because they're both weird. So I just assumed they were still together. No, yeah. Like, um, there was an interview where second. he was like, "I'm gonna get my, I'm gonna get my alcohol." Here. So yes, people what? can see that I am wearing white shorts. Shucks, where what did I put? Of... Oh, never mind. Found it. Yeah. Sorry. Please go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. So, there was an interview, uh, and he said, "You know, I'm not sure if I should ask Tim if he's okay because he's constantly having me kill his wife." A few years later, they get divorced, and he was like, "Oh, you know, like maybe there's something there." Um, and I haven't really uh, asked a lot of directors about their private lives and how that affected film. Though the only one I've spoken to is, oh God, I forgot his name, but it was for a school project. We spoke to a local director, and it was, I think, the, the no, the, the he directed the film John Denver. Um, uh, you know that one about the kid who supposedly stole the tablet? Yeah, we spoke to the director, 
um, and I had a project about it, and it was it was great talking to him. Yeah. Um, there's there's a there's a lot behind how he built John Denver and his mother's character. Um, and heck, I I also thought about film uh, like her being a really deep film because when I, I mean I think I mentioned in one of our earlier episodes that given the chance I always always choose to make a short film instead of an essay instead of a brochure for you know for finals output, and yeah. one of the outputs that I'd come up with actually was uh, inspired by the by the film her to the point that I actually mirrored some of the scenes. Um, I don't know. I just, I loved it so much that I felt like I, I wanted to do that and I was successful. So that was pretty cool. Um, let me see if I have the storyboard with me. So it's, um, directed by Arden Condes, John Denver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, and we had an Carol interview. says hi. Hi. <laughs> I, I'm not surprised he's awake until this time. Ah, yeah, they, um. He, he's actually sent me some videos of him and his roommates, and I just haven't gotten around to watching them. Yeah. Uh, uh, here, here. I found the mm -hmm. storyboard that I drew. Um, it's, it's a little doodle of Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, that's a pretty good drawing. You're, you're pretty good at drawing. <laughs> I have to give it to you compared to, like, mine's, are, mine's really bad. It's... That's a pretty good storyboard. <laughs> it's like something from Disney Pixar. You know when when you buy the DVDs before, and you watch like the behind the scenes stuff, and they're doing storyboard. Oh, you haven't seen stuff like that. I'm 20. I was born in 2002. When did they do that? <laughs> Dude, last until like 2012. What are you talking about, woman? You were like 10 and there were still DVDs. I feel like I just never got to that part of the DVD because people would like do the, the remote thingy for me. Oh, so you they, they okay, fair enough. They fair probably enough. didn't show me that part. You know, yeah, they probably thought, oh, she's not into drawing or whatever. Uh, Which is sad yeah. because actually your, your doodle does remind me of that. Because when they do storyboards, obviously it's not going to look like the film, right? I mean, it's not mm -hmm. going to look like that kind of finished product but yeah. of course they still have to draw pretty decently pretty good right yeah for people to understand it yeah 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 so okay so the so those are the deepest films because sorry the reason i asked you this is um because you know now nowadays uh i mean i still have some of my dvds but you know people usually use netflix and hulu and all of those other streaming services right so yeah, there's there's this film i really love because the, uh, there's because i'm not sure if i told you this um, but I think I mentioned it on Iglap before. Uh, when I was younger, I really wanted to be a film director. Mm. Like, I really wanted to make film. And there's a there's like a there's like a Paolo era wherein I used to love British films. But British okay. films from like but like the time period of the British film is like 1870 to like 1940. Like that's the story. I mean the, the oh, setting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course, the film came out like in the 80s or the 90s or maybe even the 2000s and beyond. So last night, I was on Netflix because I was watching Daniel's Loss again for like the 1,000th time probably. I'm not sure. And when I was done, I was just scroll scrolling through the main page and I saw a film I haven't seen in six years. And it's one of my favorite films, probably in top 20 or top 30. Um, the, the title of the film is Remains of the Day. 
and uh, you don't know it okay so it, well it came out 10 years before you were born it came out in 1992 um yes i'm aging myself uh <laughs> i was just born when it came out so okay so anyway uh the film stars anthony hopkins who i'm sure you know one of the greatest british actors of all time anthony hopkins Hannibal Lecter. Lecter. um mm-hmm. yeah so i think hopkins and emma thompson Oh, wow, she was on the first back then. Damn. <laughs> young there. I mean, they were both pretty yeah. young there. Anthony was probably in his 50s, if not late 40s. And Emma was probably in her 30s, give or take. So mm. what I like about the film is it's based on a book by Kazu Ishiguro, I think is how you pronounce his name. The guy who wrote Never Let Me Go. Okay. So that guy is a very talented author. He wrote Never Let Me Go, which is sci-fi, but Remains of the Day is a period piece in British history, right? So the film is about blind service and blind loyalty because Anthony Hopkins' character plays like a head butler of this estate. Mm-hmm. And to him, that's his life. All he wants to do is just be a butler and that's it. No personal mm-hmm. interest, no personal life. For him, it's just his work, and that's it. Okay. Then one day, he hires a young housekeeper, played by Emma Thompson, who, you know, is very prof- very professional in her work, but she is different compared to Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins is very conservative, very traditional, all of those things. While her character would call the call the other servants by their first names. Let's say, for example, let's say you're Marcella, right? So she'll call mm-hmm. you Marcella instead of Miss whatever. Or she'll call me Paolo instead of Mr. Aguas. Right. So, well, I think Hawkins would call you Miss Blank and call me Mr. Aguas, something like that. Yeah. So what, what I really like about the film is it talks about that aspect. Of course, it also talks about um, World War II because that was the time period. And the ending, I really hope you watch it. it it's around mm-hmm. two hours long. It's pretty long. But I don't want to give up the ending. But it's as I asked you, what was the deepest film you saw? Because it's not the deepest I've seen, but like the the way they made it, the ending, and the different um, symbolisms that they show is just you know like a chef's kiss type of situation. So yeah, that's why that's why I asked you. Wait, can I also recommend another film? I think you'll really like this one. Okay. So it's called Brief Encounter. It's a 1945 British film. It's about a woman and a man who meet in a train station. The woman is married. The man isn't. And from there, that's when they start having an affair. Oh, spicy. Okay. <laughs> but of course, it's the 40s, right? So it's not. they're not really showing like um, spicy stuff. But of course, you think it's spicy and, and all of that. But it's such a brilliant, 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 brilliant film. I'm I'm the kind of person that isn't always about like the visual stuff in a film. Yeah. It's more yeah. of like the this is the slow creep in of things. Oh, these so, are also like, burner films. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, two hours brief. I think is maybe around two as well. Yeah. So, I see. I see. Like okay, so you mentioned that you usually like making short films and stuff like essays and whatnot, right? Mm. But let's just say, Marcello, like, let's say you become a director. Let's just say you become like a, you know, like a Steven Spielberg type of director, you know, someone who makes feature-length, full-length films. 
what would be like your dream project to make? Like a genre or like a plot? Like the film itself, like the film itself, like the like you, you know what I mean? Well, Maybe, I, yeah. I have like a how convenient. Tis my film journal. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, okay. This is my bookshelf right here. So um yeah. you want me to pull out a book that I've read that I think everyone should read? Sure. Tuesdays with Maury. Do yourselves a favor. because uh, you're you're looking at my reading note over here. I actually don't have a lamp yet. So new house, it's been three months. But I what I've come up with actually is a series for my brother. Okay. Uh, which we we haven't really gotten around to doing, but I've got a couple of pages in. Uh, it's more of like a reality documentary sort of thing. For myself, though, like a feature length. Did I write anything? Okay, I don't have like a a big ass plot or whatever. Um, but I have like it's. I want to direct it or write it around this question that a friend of mine had asked before that I actually thought he was insane for asking me that. I thought he was having one of his um, weirdo sessions, but now actually I want to make a film about it. And he had asked me, are you ever happy that you didn't get what you wished for? So like uh, if, if I were to make this film, yeah. Um, you know, cinematography-wise and plot-wise, I'd want it to have the same emotional depth as um, newness and Irreplaceable You and Her. So it's going to be one of those. Because um, I love those films. Like, sure, I love Edge of Your Edge of Your Seat, um, Jurassic Park. But if I were to make one film, yeah, it would be about this question, and it would it would be one of those things where it's like. Um, we call it a Pixar ending, which is basically where, like, um, this is actually what I'm trying to do for my thesis. Um, you have the old Disney, where the problem was, you know, it's the whole damsel in distress thing. Uh, and, you know, when Disney realized that this had implications, they, they kind of have what I call the new wave of Pixar. Yeah which if I'm not mistaken, started in 2011 or 2012. It pisses me off that it's not 2010. <laughs> Why is it not 2010 flat? Wait, like, oh, it was Brave. I think it kind of started with Brave, right? Brave, Frozen. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure, you have Mulan, but then you have a bay too. There was a Mulan too where they got married. But then yeah, I, so, I, I, I would kind of consider Mulan though, just because she yeah, wasn't they, a in distress. They still forced a dude in it though. Like she didn't but need him. Of course, though. Okay, okay, okay. Let's they didn't have to end up together, right? That's true, but then I wouldn't say it was forced. Like I get your point that they didn't have to end up together, but yeah, it also is nice that they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like when it comes to completely just because it has got like a whole generation of hopeless romantic people. Because you know, like, okay, but... we can argue with Frozen. That neither is frozen because Anna ended up with what's his name, the blonde guy. It's not Sven. Sven, Sven is, is the moose. Moose or a deer? Whatever <laughs> Sven is. 
But yeah, yeah. whatever that guy. So it's kind of like Mulan. They don't have to end up together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it is valued um like wait, sisterhood? Is that what it's called? Sisterhood? Oh well, yeah. Because Mulan um, was a child. Yeah, and uh so what what I call the new wave of Pixar, it focuses on camaraderie and, and family. But my 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 question there was that okay, sure. So we're we're making people like happily who they are and like we're we're promoting is finding family and friends. But what about the fact that we barely see the parents on screen or parents are the problem, you know? So that I, that's my that's what my thesis is about. What what's the new generation gonna look like? Especially that Philippines is very collectivist, and Pixar is very you know Western. They're individualists. So what is that gonna do for the Philippine society? You know, there's gonna be um, this sort of dissonance because you watch this growing up, so you have the expectation that you're gonna have all that freedom. And then you grow up in a Philippine society and you're like, no, you're going to live with your grandma until you're 30. And you're like, what? No, but Disney said I could go out at 12, you know? So that's, that's, that's a, it's a shallow way to put my thesis, but I mean, I haven't started it. It's still a pitch, <laughs> um, but it's, it's a lot to do with the implications of film on people, especially when they all have a sort of consistent theme to it. Yeah. And, you know, recently what I've noticed with um, this, this new era of Pixar is Happily Ever After isn't, um, th there's a new face to, to that, um, which is you don't always get what you wanted, but there's this warm, fuzzy feeling anyway. You know, like if, if you've seen, uh, what's, what's the latest Toy Story with Lil Bo Peep? Four. Like, four, was it? Like she... Um, can I spoil it? I'm pretty sure everyone's seen it. Okay, and can I also give a rant after as well? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the ending of it, um, I think it's uh, it could be quite a tearjerker because they're you know Woody and Buzz, they're buddies, right? But they split up because Woody decides to stay with Little Bo Peep. And, you know he loves having a kid, but he gives that up to stay with her, while the rest you know go away, and you realize they're probably not going to see each other again. Yeah, but given you know, they could you don't know what's gonna happen. It's not like they have phones and they know each other's numbers. Yeah, so you have that like you're you're a bit sad. You know, it's it's bittersweet. You're sad that you know you don't know when they're seeing each other, but it's sweet because you know he hasn't seen Little Bo Peep in all of um Andy's teenage years and all that, and then all of a sudden he finds her. So um, you know, it's it's. I want to make a like a, a more realistic film in a sense that um, the, the reason why I like newness is it's it's actually a bonfire and a fireworks kind of film. Um, but it it's so realistic, you know. And um, I wanna I wanna make something to that um, to that nature. Like, have you seen all the bright places? No, I haven't. No, it's a it's a pretty good movie though. Trigger warning. It's it's kind of um. You know, there's oh. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, where where can I see it? Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Actually, everything I'm talking about is on Netflix. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. 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 
and your rant about Toy Story was. Okay. So, okay. So, Toy Story 4, I actually think it was a great film. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good. But here's my only problem with it. Um, remember how we discussed about, I don't think we discussed it on air, or if we did, I'm not sure, about us, right? Remember that? Dude, that was not on air. <laughs> it wasn't. But it's a pretty good rant, though. That was a pretty yeah, good rant. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, that was my, my only rant about Toy Story 4. It should have not been called Toy Story 4. Okay. It should have been called Woody. Oh, because there's a light year? No, because think about it. Toy Story 1, 2, and 3, all of the people are involved. Nearly equally involved. Buzz is on screen nearly as much as Woody, etc., etc. Toy Story 4, it's like 95% Woody, 5% everyone else. And when you look at the story, it's really just about Woody. Not the toys, Woody. How Woody is being neglected by his new owner, the little girl. And how Woody decides to look for the sport to make the little girl happy. But it's only centrally about him, not the toys. So it's not a toy story. It's a Woody story. That's you my own. Um, Bruno is actually not a big fan of that, of, of that film. Uh, the fourth? Yeah. Okay. He actually dislikes it. Like, I, I wouldn't say hate. I'm not sure if he hates it, but he's not pleased with it. Probably because, you know, he, he grew up with, with that part of Pixar. Or like how they ended it and stuff. And, because I know, don't think he, he, um, he said there's a lot of new films now that are not really good you know it's like he's like what are the directors just running out of something to do and i was like maybe it's not that they're running out of something to do but that it's a film for the grown-ups to have a sort of nostalgia trip like oh this was my childhood film yeah you know so like so what are those you have uh toy story 4 you have lightyear and the most recent jurassic let's face it the jurassics no, the, the most recent Jurassic is really, number one, they, they fixed their error of making dinosaurs look like reptiles. That's why they have the feathery uh, dinosaurs. Well, that, that's okay, but... But they have parallels of, of scenes that were there in the first... And yeah, year but... like, Dude, be more subtle, yeah? Yeah, I mean, here's my problem. Like, what I like about the Toy Story is it gives us closure. Yeah. I honestly don't think there should be a fifth. If there's a fifth, they really have to think well on how they're going to give a story. Because Toy Story 1, you know, it was fun. Toy Story 2 was really fun. 3 was really deep, broke all of our hearts. 4 feels like it's the end already, right? Yeah, yeah. And then but you know it's yeah. done because Lightyear comes out. And it's like, you know. Yeah, but can I just say Jurassic? Like, okay, I, I, I like the, I, aside from the original ones, Jurassic, what was it? Jurassic World, the, the the first one with Chris Pratt, the first one, the first one from the new ones. I forgot what it was. World, I think, yeah. World, right? Then you had the sequel, then Dominion, the last one. It was all just stupid. Like you know, they're just getting the nostalgia trip, but like like a cheap version, like a cheap way to do it. Actually, no. I feel like it should be called Chris Pratt the movie because <laughs> he's like ninety five percent in it and five percent dinosaurs. No, he's not even acting. He's just being himself. Yeah. You know, um, although maybe that they did want a Chris Pratt kind of guy. But um, here's the frustrating part. I watched the most recent Jurassic Park with a friend of mine. And like, if he's watching right now, I love you, Tati. 
But the thing is, this kid is born in 2005 or 2006. Okay. Oh, man, I'm uh, so when I came out of the movie, he was like, oh, that was great. And I said, what is wrong with you? What do you mean is great? He goes, well, it's like nice and, you know, whatever. And I was like, have you seen Jurassic Park? And he no, goes, yeah, he goes, you mean Jurassic World? I'm like, no, I mean Jurassic Park. Like the original series. And he says, what do you mean original series? I thought, oh, he didn't see the first trilogy. And I thought, wait, I'm just, I said, I'm five years older than you. How do you not know this? How about and I get I, something stronger to drink first? Um, <laughs> and then I realized the only reason why I know the first trilogy is probably because my mom had DVDs. And Bruno probably also. Because I don't remember having seen them in the theater. You, you didn't. You didn't. Like, it was always at home yeah. with the daylight. My mom didn't want me watching that at nighttime. Think about this way. I didn't see the originals in the cinema except for Jurassic 3. That's the only one I saw in the cinema. <laughs> 1 and 2, I didn't watch it. That's Okay, I'm older than you by 10 years. And even I didn't watch it in the cinema because I was too young. You weren't even born when it came out. So so I just, I gave him homework. I was like, you better watch the first three before you come here and tell me that this movie is awesome because it is not. But can I super say, um, of course, one and two. Okay, the first one's always the best. Second was decent. I thought the third was the worst Jurassic. Until I saw the Jurassic Park 3. The one with Sam but okay okay i'm gonna give it it's i'm gonna give it it's flowers it's whatever it is which one is this one with the talking dinosaur wait there was a talking dinosaur it was a dream because sam neil was trying to save like this rich kids uh this rich this rich family's kid in an island and mm. in the plane, okay, the scene is Sam Neill's, Sam Neill's in the plane. He was falling asleep. Then when he woke up, beside him was a dinosaur talking to him, like, doctor, whatever. Then when he woke up, there was no one. So it was a dream. But anyway, okay, okay. So it's not as silly as you think compared to, like, the new ones. I thought that the third Jurassic Park was the fourth. But then when I saw the one with Chris Pratt, I'm like, Jurassic Park 3 is a fucking masterpiece compared <laughs> to the one. And I think its budget was, like, one-fourth of these new ones as well. So, <clears throat> did you type oh, it's the one with the Spinosaurus. The third one is only the planes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this the dinosaur that does a little like clicky clack? I think that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, um, that's the worst Jurassic from the original trilogy, but it's I the agree. best Jurassic compared to the new trilogy. <laughs> the, the best for me, I think, was um. I think it was the second. When was that? When when there was this little kitchen scene where the the kids. That's the first. That's the first. Is it? Oh, I'm sorry. I love that one. The second was when the T Rex was released in New York. Oh no 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 not that. I like the the one with the kitchen. Yeah, that's the first one. The grandchildren of the park guy, right? Yeah. So the first one's with Sam Neill, Laura Dern, etc. The second one is just Jeff Goldblum. I think I liked it. I, I found it decent because Jeff Goldblum is like a national treasure. Like the, the way fact that you say just, <laughs> just him. Like, wow, <laughs> just him. Sam Neil's not there. 
Well, the first one though, I loved. I especially loved the, the big sister. Her, yeah. The fear was real and like the shaking jelly when she was afraid. I was like, this is a masterpiece. It was I really was good, like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when, they're, now, when they're the Jeep and when it was doing the glasses, like, then we came closer, it was like, dude, yeah, yeah. That was that. That is the best out of all of them. Like I, like that is that is always going to be the winner for me. That has a special place in my heart. Yeah. Super classic. And Steven Spielberg directed it. Yeah, yeah. Did he do the whole series or no? No, no, no. Just one, I think. One and two at most. But he didn't do three. Oh. He didn't do the new ones also. Oh, interesting. Okay. But you know, he has this new film out called The Fablemans. I'm not sure if you heard of it. So it's basically a semi-autobiography about his life, like how he fell in love with film and all of that. So like for people like us, I guess, um, those who really wanted to, or who really love cinema or film, like we want to create our own. I think it's really like a film for us. Yeah, yeah. It comes out, oh, it came out last November. In America, but I'm not sure if it came out here. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I was coming of age. You know, I'm watching this. I would. It's it's supposedly really good. Mm. The one I want to watch is the whale, the one of Brendan Fraser. Wait, you know Brendan Fraser, right? I might, though. I might be unaware with the whale. You know the mummy. Yeah. No, but I Not was when I was a kid. I was too scared to watch that. So I, I only got in the the scary stuff. When Wait, the mummy not scary not... though. Oh no, I mean the mummy. It scared yeah, me. Scary. Oh, you found it scary. Oh, you're a kid, so. I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. The whale eats his way to death. Damn. Huh? Wait, did you spoil the film? No, it's no. It says there. It's describing the plot. Ah, uh, yeah. No, he plans to eat his way to death. You mean? That is interesting. So it's directed by um, Darren Aronofsky, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So that guy directed really good films like Requiem for a Dream, The Fountain, one of my top 10 favorite films of all time, mm -hmm. uh, and all of that. So Brendan Fraser plays an English teacher who goes into an eating binge because his partner dies. Okay. But... It's also a look at being human in the sense that he was married, but he was actually gay. And so he uh -huh. leaves his wife and leaves his daughter for his partner. And okay. after his partner dies, he decides to just do his classes online, stays at home, and continues to eat and eat and eat because he mm. wants to eat his way to death. But he decides that maybe instead of just wasting my life like this, what if I try and reconnect with my daughter instead? Maybe find a way to make her understand the decision I made in life. Mm. And it's very similar to another film that I really like. Okay, so like one thing about me, I think you've noticed, I like films about white people make certain decisions or white people are like that. The fact that you're telling me you like white people and decisions, but when we met up, it was all Jordan Peele. <laughs> no, 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 not white people. Uh, films about people making decisions. Not just okay. white people. Excuse I heard you say white people. Did you say white or why? 
why why people bro i heard you say white <laughs> i said what? you racist so do you believe in if it's not white it's not right like that <laughs> that's why i was like this doesn't make sense when we ran no, up, why? We ran okay. white. W H Y, W H Y. People make decisions, not white people make decisions, because that's history <laughs> for like the last one thousand years. The fact that this is not only live but recorded, I'm gonna cringe at this for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, people know that it was just an honest mistake. But um, but anyway, <gasps> so there's this other film called The Wrestler with a very similar plot, starring Mickey mm-hmm. Rourke. About the guy who was a professional wrestler, you know, was a bad dad, then he tries to reconnect with his daughter and all of those things. Yeah. Also directed by Darren Aronofsky, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, that guy made a lot of films that I enjoyed. But yeah, sorry. So going back, so you mentioned that the film you'd want to make is about um sorry, it's about like are you ever, are, huh? you, are you are grateful you didn't get Oh, yeah, are you happy? Yeah. yeah, like are you happy that you didn't get what you asked for? Like it's it's the kind of thing where you're looking back, you're like, shit, why did I want that? You know, yeah. it's it's not even like a cringe way. It's like uh you realize how much you've changed because you're looking at it and you're like, no, that's the last thing I would want, or like nothing compares to what I have now. And you know, a, a lot of people think of you know, when they get to the future that they didn't ask for. Sometimes their gratitude for it is just them settling for it or them being compensated for it. But, you know, it asks you, are you actually happy with where you are? Because, you know, some people, they, they persevere to, to get that future that they spent years dreaming of. And when they don't get it, their life is ruined, you know. Or when they get there, but there's a piece missing, it's not good enough. So, like... That's that's something that I'd want to make in a film because I feel like people cling to their dreams too much mm-hmm. that they they sort of have this tunnel vision. So that's 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 this film that I would want to make. It's a pretty good one. Well, when I was younger, my dream film. When I was young, I was really foolish. I wanted to make a, a four part film about the history of the Philippines. Okay. And each part would be named after a color in the flag. So part one would be called white. Mm-hmm. That, 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 so the time period there is, you know, native Filipinos before Magellan came along, all of that. Yellow would be about KKK, the, the Katipunan, not, not the Cook Looks. I want to make that clear <laughs> because Mar- Marcella might think I'm one of those, if it's not white, it's not right kind of people. So yellow would be <laughs> struggle all of that then red would be about from the japanese war until martial law okay then blue will be post-martial law so as a kid i thought of that i was like yeah i would make that kind of film Mm -hmm. then as i got older i got weirder and one of the films i wanted one of the things i wanted to make into a film (laughs) my favorite book of all time called 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Mm. It's a brilliant, brilliant book, but extremely unfilmable because... <clears throat> so I think there are around five to six characters with exactly the same name. <laughs> so oh, for example, 
for, okay, example, okay, example, okay. I mean, these aren't the names of the characters in the film. So there's Marcella, Paolo, Bruno, Yana, Kyle, Regine. So these are the six. So let's say from so the first generation of can we just use my last name Aguas? So from the first generation of Aguases, so let's say that's in the 1200s. In the 1300s, the next generation, it's Marcella, Paolo, Bruno, Regine, Kyle, etc. So they all have the exact same name and they all look similar. So how do you know who's who? Mm. So that's why the film, that's why I find the book so unfilmable. It's because in the book, it gives you like this cheat code in the first page with the family tree. So all the Paulos are all named Paulo B. Aguas for all the generations. All the Marcellas are all just Marcella. There's no indistinguishable like, Mar- let's say Marcella. That, so it's like, let's say the first one's Marcella Emmanuel, but the second one's, let's say, Marcella Nicola. No, it's all Marcella. Mm. And all Bruno, all Regine, all Kyle, all Yana, like that. But it's a brilliant film about how in this small town, time moves differently. Okay. And each generation somewhat repeats the mistake of the past generation. Now, come on. Okay. No, but it's really, sorry, like it's so so difficult to explain without. I want to look this up. What is this called? 100 Years of Solitude. I hear about this all the time. This is a book. Yeah. Okay. In my opinion, the greatest book ever written. Sounds like it. I read one of um, his books, and it was um, Chronicle of a Death Foretold. I love that. Too like I was. I remember I read it for a school reading, and it was really short. So I said, "Okay, one hour. I'm going to finish this thing." I wasn't told that all the chapters are chronicling the same event yeah. in the eyes of different people. Yeah. I was not told. So I read this whole thing in one hour and I'm like, what? So I read it thrice. I said, what? What's happening? What's happening? And then I realized, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I got it. it took me so goddamn slow, man. Like, um, like I have this assignment for my my th- my class on Thursday, where I had to like, it's, it's it's an English class for science majors, where basically I have to analyze this film, based on like Twitter of or props, um, literary model or whatever. Like oh you watch this film, uh, the Eldritch Code. It's released on YouTube by the account Dust. I'm a very big fan of Dust because um it's actually just a bunch of amateur filmmakers that send it. To that YouTube account and to have it produced, yeah, and you know they it's, it's kind of like a little um, hub for sci-fi fans, so that's that's why I spend a lot of time there. Um, so imagine my thrill when the teacher said you're gonna watch something by Dust. And I was like yes, and it was about um, you know it was based on what's his name Lovecraft was it? Uh, Lovecraft. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So so this that's one cool. is the Eldritch Code. You, can't see it's very amateur but i appreciate you know the effort they put into it i love that's what i love about it they're giving these um home filmmakers a chance um and the thing is i was looking at the film and obviously you know in a high school mindset you think gus is the good guy because he's the main character but analyzing it because i did this with a partner right yeah i was trying to use props model and i said um 
Do you think Mam would flunk us if I said that Gus was actually the bad guy? And the Eldritch is the good one in this case. And he was like, no, Eldritch is always bad. I said, no, yeah, but I said for, for this director, maybe he, he's, it's not, you know, maybe it's the other side of the story. Like, I think we all know Maleficent. It's called Maleficent because, you know, they try to show her side of the story and yeah. not, you know, what Disney said. Oh, she's evil and shit, you know? So I said, maybe, maybe that's what um, Eldritch is. But we didn't do that. We ended up being Totoro, and Gus is still the good guy, <laughs> just to get the assignment over with. But, no, but I would have I loved, like, if I were your prof, I would have loved you to have challenged that. Yeah, but like, it, it was um, the timing. It's because, it's okay, my university didn't have school on Monday because it's President's Day for, for our school. And you know what props loves to, you know, they love like, oh, you've got a long weekend that deserves a long reading. And if all of your props think that, shit, you are not getting like that assignment done because you got to make way for all these readings. I was given six chapters to read. Damn. Just because we had an additional day off. Like, dude, additional day off does not mean you get to hoard my day, you know? Um, and lo and behold, I have three essays due on Thursday. And I was like, Whoa. Okay. <laughs> so I, I wasn't able to really give effort to, to making Gus the bad guy just because it was easier to just go with the flow. I mean, it's, it's a 10 point assignment. Yeah. Why be extra? It's the first assignment of the semester. Jesus, you know? So yeah, that's, ah, I'm frustrated at it, but oh, well, because actually, you know, if I could argue, um about that whole thing because you know i think i mentioned this in my short talks or whatever but like for all of us we're the heroes in our own lives and whoever the hero or the villain is is based on a person's perspective yeah like i always defended that in beauty and the beast it could have been gaston was the good guy okay because okay this is like what the 1500s 1600s i don't know right but if you find out that a girl from your village is being held captive by a half man half wolf wolf bear whatever creature wouldn't you want to save her wouldn't yeah, you I... want to bring her back because she kind of got stockholm syndrome yeah, exactly. There, I was gonna get to that. Um, there, there came this whole thing. Um, it, it went crazy on Facebook when I was in high school. Or Wait, so crazy? sorry to pause you, but Kyle said he heard white as well. How delayed is your internet? That was twenty minutes ago. What? No, 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 no. It, it was on me. I didn't see his comment that quickly. That's oh, okay, because it just flashed for me right, right now. Yeah, yeah, no, my bad, my bad. He he commented it, I think, like two or three minutes after we were discussing it. <laughs> oh man. Um but yeah, it's uh when I when I was in, in high school, like the earlier years of high school, there came this whole thing. I, I think it's because Emma Watson came, you know, like the her her movie came out. Beauty and the Beast, yeah. Yeah, and uh, everyone said stop glorifying it, it's actually Stockholm Syndrome and all that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do my homework now. But at the time, I was like, people are making such a fuss about this. And now that I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm yeah. a psych student, I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, shit. 
what's wrong with Disney? Why did they why did they go, oh that's so sweet? No, it's not. It's, <laughs> like, it's not like it's for before the Stockholm, dude freaking kidnap your father and then turned a bunch of people into antique relics in the house. No, no, no. So he didn't turn them, they were turned. Oh, oh shit. Okay. So okay, so oh, the witch did it, right? The one in the, the staying the fairy, glass. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with yeah, the rose. Yeah. Okay, yeah, there we go. There, okay. If we're gonna look at like just the law part, the father did um go to the property of the beast. Why so again? Because he was like, so he was going back from another village because he was selling cheese or whatever. Okay. Then it was raining. Then I think his um, carriage got stuck in the mud or something like that. Because he's old, right? Yeah, yeah. So he was just looking for a place to get shelter, and then he ended up in the castle of the beast. Oh, so technically he just like wanted a shelter for the night. Yeah, but technically that's still trespassing. Yeah, yeah, okay. But then, yeah, I mean, yeah, so like what I was saying, like technically with that one, you could see Gaston's the good guy. Because yeah. all he wanted to do was save Belle. I see your point. But yeah. then also, like, what you know what I really hate? Um, because I think I appreciate that, you know, with the day and age of technology and all of that, we get to really call out problematic stories or all of these things, right? I'm not really mm -hmm. a fan of calling out problematic people unless we have, like, solid evidence. Problematic people. Pro problematic people, yeah. You know how they, you know, cancel culture and stuff. They say, oh, this person is bad or whatever. For me, In before I before I give like a, yeah, before like I give my opinion on something, I always want to hear the whole story first. Mm. Okay, like, okay, I'll give an example. So I'm not sure if this was like in 2019, but there's this lady. I can no longer remember her name. She was a flight attendant. And she died in Makati while parting with her friends. I'm not sure if she died of a heart attack or whatever. I, I know this one. Yeah, you know yeah. that one. It was yeah. big news. And what yeah. I didn't appreciate was, so she died, right? Unfortunately, she died. But she was with male friends and everyone, not among everyone, but a lot of people were accusing the male friends of like raping her, killing her, whatever. Yeah, but they were all gay, weren't they? They were all gay. So that's like me. I was like, wait, I'm not going to share. Because what I didn't like was, it's okay that, you know, let's say the police bring in, bring them in for questioning or whatever. That's normal. That's standard procedure, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, what I didn't like was, there's this one influencer. I'm so tempted to give her name, but I won't. Um, She has a big influence. And yet she did. Because, okay, so this influencer... She's always about let's be fair, let's be just, all of these things, right? But someone on Facebook shared the profiles of each guy, screenshot, and put all their full names. And people started sharing it and saying, these men killed that girl. Because again, they were the last ones to see her alive. That's yeah. what I did, right? Because for me, it's like before you accuse someone, <laughs> Why not wait for the whole story first? To the point that one of my friends, who's friends with all of them, you know, LGBT community, had to go to the police station and show that, yes, these men are all gay. They did not rape this woman. And that's why when they, you know, did the autopsy report and all that, there's no semen in her. It there was, was, no it was an aneurysm, wasn't it? Something like that. But it was see, it was her, right? She was sick. Yeah, so something like that. I mean, yeah. they didn't drug her, they didn't do anything to her. They just had a good time with her, that they partied, they drank, she went to her hotel room, and she passed away. Yeah. But that's what I don't appreciate. We're in, like, 
because look, the influencer who shared that is a woman, and maybe, um, of course, when you could, when okay, so I don't know if what I'm gonna say will be problematic or whatever, but you know, when you could relate to something, something that is traumatizing, you at times you may allow your emotions to get the better of you, yeah, because you know, how for example, how women, um, which I'm very upset about, you know, how in especially in the Philippines, it's like. Women can't go out and drink and not be worried that they'll get raped. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not just in the Philippines, but in all over the world. Like, mm. I'm very upset about that fact because, you know, for me, I could go out by myself right now. I could just go to Pobla, for example, get shit faced drunk, and my chance of getting raped is like what? Less than 1%. But if it's a woman, it's bigger than that. I mean, mm. that doesn't out of me because if, if I want, if I can get, you know, shit face drunk i would want a woman to get shit face drunk without being worried about you know stuff like that so i think maybe that's why instead of you know st- taking a step back she shared that post immediately maybe that's why i don't know mm-hmm. i mean i what i said isn't like problematic or or whatever because like even on my end like if i could relate to something um maybe i might want to share it but i try to live my life in a very logical way that i would rather see both sides of the story like that's why i like a, a, the chronicle of a death foretold by garcia marquez because same event four different people's views yeah and if you remember right each view was slightly different yeah that's why i was struggling because i like it took me three or four reads to realize, oh, they're all talking about the same dude. But different ways, right? Yeah, like dude, this 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 reading, okay, like when you're being told to read stuff like Elfie Lee, Noli, and you have like yeah. you started off grade school with Wizard of Oz. You oh, damn yeah. right know it's Dorothy, 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 everything Dorothy. You have Harry Potter, everything's Harry to the end. Yeah. Like you never have first book is about Harry, second is about Hermione. No, yeah. So is Harry. Yeah. Heck, you know it's so. I thought, okay, I've never had a book that one chapter, one perspective. Um, so chapter I was reading really, a different perspective. Yeah, and in my head, I was like, damn, there's a lot of killing going on. Apparently, it was one dude. So this, you know, that meme we have this guy with the crime board. And he's like. Yeah, 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 yeah. I literally yeah. had to to have like um, do you know um, Google Jamboard? Yeah, it's a Kanban. Yeah, I had to do that mostly because when I was reading that, I was crashing in my mom's room. Yeah, I didn't want to put shit on her wall, so I had to work with at the time an iPad. I didn't have a laptop, so I was there going, yeah. you know. And I realized, okay, so that name, this name, this description, that description. And I realized, oh, they're looking at each other. Because I noticed these characters were described the same. And I said, oh, and I was like, okay, that, that's that's why it's so difficult. <laughs> I felt but, so dumb. I was like, oh. No, but dude, he's just a brilliant writer. And that's how he yeah, loved yeah. So good luck with 100 Years of Solitude. You'll definitely need that again. Yeah, because of the way another, I describe another. it to you, because all six yeah, are yeah. Paolo Aguas, all six are Marcella, all six are Bruno without distinctions. <laughs> no, but um, but yeah. So I want to ask you. So we're talking about film, books, and whatever. So you've read a good number of books. I've read a good yeah. number of books. 
So what was a film adaptation of a book that you really hated? Like for you, you just wanted to like burn all the film reels of that particular film because it really just lambasted the book. Marcella? Okay, so Marcella froze, I believe. So while we're waiting for her to unfreeze, I just want to thank my sponsors. So thank you to Swagat Indian Cuisine, who's always been a sponsor since season one. Thank you to Mask and More Manila. And thank you to Comicet as well. So yeah, guys, so if you have any questions or you want to relate, uh, just comment down below. And Marcella is back. Yeah, so Marcella, go, go ahead. Am I back back? Because you're not moving. I'm back. Oh, you're back. Yeah, you're back. Okay. Okay, there we go. Um, apparently, my laptop did that thing again where it decides it's a great time to disconnect. Um, it's all right. So, yeah. So, what was, so what was that? I, I'm sorry, the film. The only, yeah, the only time that I watched a movie and read the book would probably be Harry Potter, so I'm not sure oh, how really? to respond to that. Because everything, everything here, some of them I think do have movies, but I didn't bother to watch them because I know that movies tend to not do books justice. Okay. Um, like for example, I have not read the book All the Bright Places, but I super duper love the movie. Yeah. Um, that's, um, I've never read any John Green. And I did not like watching his film as well. So, so we're just not going to touch that. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's, it's really just Harry Potter and, and the first Percy Jackson, mainly because that was my sixth grade assignment to read the book. And then as a class, we had a movie night. Oh, nice. Well, movie lunch. Same shit. <laughs> yeah. So my answer but, to that is, do you know Wrinkle in yeah. Time? The film, other uh, the book, A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline L. Engel. I didn't know that it was a book, but I also did not see the movie. Okay, can I just say, um, welcome to my TED talk on why Disney really fucked that up by Paolo Aguas. So the book is completely amazing, you know, classic book, um, and all of that. Then suddenly they get Oprah to be in it and all of these and they just really struggled to adapt it properly and all of that. So that's why for me I really hated the Wrinkle in Time film Yo, versus I, the book. I, yeah. I DC'd again. It's okay. Are you so, okay though? What's going on? Like this doesn't usually happen. Yeah, but well, actually, you're, okay, you're back, uh, by the way. Good. Yeah, yeah, but like, it's weird. It doesn't usually happen to me. Yeah, actually, the, the anyway, so like what I said, the film just lambasted the book. Bad casting, bad adaptation, bad visuals, bad everything. Getting Sia to write the original song, which did not make sense. Sia. Wait, did you know, did you know that Sia made the film? No. She made a film called Music. 
it's about this um this this kid with um special needs i i hope that's the right term to use um and it was so bad because see uh, used the girl you know that you've seen chandelier and all of that right that 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 little girl who does ballet maddie ziegler yeah she made maddie ziegler play a kid with special needs why does she love maddie ziegler so much that's maddie ziegler's like her muse but then even people on the internet are questioning if that relationship is also healthy Mm. because see us how old and how old is maddie right I mean, I've never seen her face until now. Is she the one hugging the kid? Wow, that's not seen. That is not seen, my friend. I haven't even seen Sia's face. No, that's Kate Hudson. Oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> so, no, that's the, that's the film. So, it was really bad. It was so bad. Because Maddie didn't even know how to act as the kid oh. with, that, with those special needs. That's a tough role to do. Like Sean yeah, Penn yeah. did it well because that's fucking Sean Penn and I am Sam, right? But you know, so it was really such a bad film, so problematic and all. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a movie by uh, Jaden Smith uh, where his girlfriend oh, wow. was Cara Delevingne, and it's. Oh, I feel like he would have done better if he just made it a music video because it's basically if a music video was turned into a movie this is that and looking at the story of it i was like do you really want to make a movie or do you want to just have like a one hour session where you get to take you know cara out on dates and you get to rap because it's really curious Something like Life in a Year or something. The, the trailer made it look so good. And then I watched it and I was like, man. Life in a Year. 2020 film. Okay. Yeah, Life in oh, a Year. Cara Delevingne is so pretty, by the way. Honestly. She's, oh, like, no. I, She's usually not my type, but. Did I love. Um, does he go by Sire now? Who, Jaden? Yeah, or is that just an album? No, his name is Jaden Christopher Sire Smith. So just one of his names. Oh, God. Why does he look like that now? What the hell? The okay. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> she's my oh. age. Oh. Really? Yeah, she's 30. So Kara's 30. Jaden is how old? 24. Is he not mine? 24, 24. He was born in 1998. Wow, wow. Willow Smith looks so different. <laughs> I know. I, I, yeah. girl, I don't know. Um, damn. Can I just say, um, I'm going to sound like super white like you know like a trump white type person but like okay so we're actually saying white now okay yes white like yeah. trump supporter mm-hmm. white but like will smith has weird kids man like he and jada 
on the outside know. like seem like they're very what society calls normal which how we grew up with mm. but like Jaden with his pink I don't know like I, I I mean I find it weird I think you know for as long as you're not hurting anyone you could look and color your hair whatever color you want for as long as you're a good person not hurt anyone but wow for me it's just like Willow can you please google Willow right now she looks so different like, like honestly I, I I don't know much about uh, their life away from the screens uh but you saw that Will Smith slapped Coach Rock, right? Well, duh, that was a meme. Um, because of because of his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I've 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 known how Willow has looked this whole time. It's just it's Jaden that I wasn't ready for. Yeah, Jaden looks way different from. Like Willow, he... I'd say, you know, you know sis, you know. Um, yeah. But Actually, it's. You know, I... I don't know. Like, I just want to make sure that people understand. I have no problem with how they look and stuff. Like what I said, for as long as you're good people. But for me, it's just weird for me. Yeah, I'm just shocked because, like, that's the last thing I expected. <laughs> About me, from me or? No, no, no. Because uh, the last, because uh, okay. I only, I tend to look at, I tend to not know what's going on with musicians outside of the recording studio. Oh, sorry. You Most mean Jaden. Yeah, most of the times I don't even know if they're Asian, if they're white, unless like they're the dude, like Drake, that's always on the picture. Um, like Rich Brian or something. You know, I've been told that my boyfriend looks like Rich Brian. And sometimes well, I can't help but see it, he, especially when he gets a bit kind of a of does. Yeah, he kind <laughs> of does look like a tall Rich Brian. <laughs> now, here's the plot. It's what if Rich Brian's actually like seven feet tall or something. Oh god. Which I doubt, ah. but if he was, then technically your boyfriend's a short rich Brian. You know, like my, my boyfriend's just like a wholesome version of him, you know. He's like Mr. Unicorn. Brian is wholesome. What are you, you know, talking like, about? Outfit-wise, he, he's like he looks oh, like a unicorn yeah. mannequin with Jordans on, basically. Yeah, yeah. Unlike Rich Brian, yeah. who's like a supreme Yeah, yeah. That's what I meant by a wholesome. Like he's just like clean looking. Um but yeah, it's uh, like I only recently found out Sam Smith is gay, apparently. No, Sam Smith is um, wait, no, 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 what no, is, no, Sam is... Smith is not gay, he's he's a they, them. Um, well, he identifies as you know, they, LGBT. them, no, no, it identifies as they, them. He, uh, Sam Smith is um, hawks. It's in the tip of my tongue. Wait, LGBT. But basically, he's not straight, right? Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. Damn it! Wait, no, no, I have to do it now. One second. He's 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 not straight, but he used to be. Uh, it used to be gay, but Sam Smith is. Lord, please just tell me what Sam Smith is. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's go to personal life. No, 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 Non-binary. There we go. Because I, I just I listen, I love his voice. Wait, you, you know? thought Sam Smith was straight? I didn't think about it. I just thought I love listening to his music, period. So I never wait, I you, never loved Wait, did you watch any of his music videos like of no, Leave Your Lover? No. Okay, to be fair, I'll give it to you. But Sam Smith is non-binary. 
Okay. You know, wherein they they don't see themselves as either male nor female. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's either like it, they, them. In high school, we were required to memorize all those LG letters, and like we had an exam. Yeah. About it, but because I studied it overnight, and I studied it in a movie theater, mind you. Um. I didn't want to go out, but like my family just went, oh, let's catch this movie. So I was the one loser in the movie going, trying to memorize my notes like that. So needless to say, I did not do very well on the test. And I also do not remember anything. <laughs> so, you know, I just, I respect, especially because I don't understand and I don't offend anyone. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't memorize well, actually, all the Actually, with me, I had like two episodes about being non-binary. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, I had two amazing guests. And until now, I still struggle with the concept just because, I mean, look, both of us were cisgender straight people, right? We're probably the most privileged of all time. Okay. Because we're, we're, we both like the bodies we're both born in. I mean, you see yourself okay, as a yeah. woman and you're straight. I see myself as yeah. a man, and I like women. But um, so I don't know if it's because I'm just too straight to understand how one cannot see themselves in the spectrum between being a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, I respect that. I will not say anything against you or whatever. It's just that me, mm-hmm. I just struggle with the concept. I mean, I, I yeah. try to, yeah. to understand. And I guess it's because I'm not in that position. To yeah, not really yeah. because I know I see myself as a guy, I like women, you know. So, yeah, sorry, did, did I say I made sense, right? Yeah, the, the thing is, um, this it reminded me of um, my third year summer class. I had a film class, you know, me like if it's film, I'm goddamn taking it, you know, yeah. Um, and it was a film class about like representation in the Philippines. And it was taught by, I think one of, one of my most favorite professors in Ateneo, his name is Skilty. So if there's any Ateneans listening to this, please take his class. Any class by that dude, you will come out happy. Um, and it was, of course, it's about representation. Representation didn't necessarily mean LGBT, but it also meant like social class and all that yeah. stuff. We even had, we haven't we had to watch a film about like forest nymphs or something and like even they deserve representation something like that. Sorry, which one? Um, we had to watch a film about forest nymphs, but the thing is, it, it, it was okay. Nymphs, yeah, and it was in a dialect that I didn't understand. It was Filipino, so if you're gonna ask me what it's about, I have no clue. Do you know the title? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, sir. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm out so happy. Don't remember the film about forest nymphs that deserve representation. Um, but the thing is, um, I think I was. It was a class of what, twenty-five to thirty kids, and I think I was one of the four straight kids in the class. One of like, and you know, we. I, I forgot how we ended up figuring it out. Um, I think it was like a raise of hands for who identifies with their gender. Like, we just want to see who we're trying to represent here. Like, raise your hands if you think you're middle class. Raise your hands if you're straight. I'm like, oh my God, 5% five, 5% of the class goes straight. 
And then, sir, you know, he, he has a mic on site because it's a big room. He goes, oh, God. Interesting. So now you're the othered. Because we're the minority. We're the straight kids. Yeah. And he was like, wow, I did not expect this day to ever come in my class. <laughs> to have straight kids. Oh, no, to we have were more. The yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, here, here comes... Um, Day one, so he's like, okay, form your groups and flashes the questions, talk with your with your circle. I I was trying to think of how to respond to what he had posted. This is metal? Oh, okay. I thought it was wood, sorry. <laughs> so he was like, uh, talk to your group mates. And I was a, I was still thinking about how to answer the first question. And one of my group mates goes, so what's it like? I'm like, what do you mean? What's it like being straight? I'm like, dude, were you not straight at some point? He goes, no, I always knew I was gay. And I was like, okay, good for him. He didn't have to question it, I cool. guess. And I was like, so what's it like for me being straight? I don't know. Like, bro, you're surrounded by straight people outside this classroom. How am I the one person you're asking right now? And he goes, no, no, how does it feel like being straight and being the minority? And I was like, I'm afraid to say something, mainly because I'm not like well-versed into the, the, the LGBT, um, like what, what sets them apart from each other. Like I, there's a whole chart for that, right? Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't uh, do very well in memorizing it. Dude, um, if you just do LGBT, you're fine. Everything after that, it's okay to have like a teach. Whatever is after that starts to get confusing for me. Yeah. Like, because like, like, there's gender, there's gender queer, there's. So my mom had yeah, asked I, me about it, and I just told her, I'm just as clueless as you are. Google is our best friend right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that was an interesting experience. You know, it's. Um, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be the minority while being straight again. Because then again, that was a class about representation. Um, so when I when I grouped up, when I, I paired up with this this kid and he turned out to be straight. Uh, we, were on, we were on a call together because we were trying to do this worksheet as a pair. And we kind of smelled each other like, okay, this kid's straight. This kid's straight, right? Right? But we didn't know how to ask each other that because you're extra sensitive, especially because he was also not well-versed in the whole spectrum. Um, and we were struggling to, to analyze this um, this comic. I, again, don't know the name of it, but it was basically like this. I'm so sorry. Like, okay, it was four pages. Cut, cut me some slack. And I didn't understand. Um, so there was this, like, it's basically this Sari Sari store, and there's, there's, like, this girl who's watching TV while waiting for someone to come. And this this basketball player shows up and asks to buy um, a napkin, like, period napkin, right? Um, and it's supposed to be, like, a flirty purchase session. And my partner and I were going, what's LGBT about this? And then we realized when... The basketball player was yanked by the friend, like, hey, you're taking forever. Those weren't pecs. Those were buff girl boobs. 
And we were like, oh, the basketball players, LGBT. So we were like, oh, because it, it took us so long. We were looking at the thing. We thought that we would find um, we would find it in the in the little speech bubbles. But it was like Cebuano, I think. So it took us longer than expected to understand it because we're not even good at Tagalog, right? Yeah. So apparently we didn't need to look at the little speech bubbles. We just had to look at this area because there's a short hair. There's even like the lines that goes in, in the undercut. Yeah. And then like when she bought the thing, she held like the money. Key. 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 When he held the thing. <laughs> Sorry. My See, God. this is why I'm scared. My child he, held, <laughs> he held the money. And then like, you know how when you, flirt, you kind of put your arm, just like, I don't know, maybe it's like a, an arm, arm, arm flexing thing. Yeah. Uh, so it was all very masculine, and we didn't realize. Oh, it's LGBT. Okay, and then we got to answer it. And then yeah. when we both realized that we were struggling with the exact same thing, and there's a language barrier, and like it took us forever to realize that. It was awkward silence. We were just typing, and then he just goes, "You're straight, right?" I was like yeah why he goes dude i'm so scared in this class like i might hurt somebody without knowing it and i was like see you know like um can i just say like if, if that was asked to me going about the how did it feel to be straight in my mind my answer like, i think it's pretty cool it yeah. is it, it's, it's amusing well, I, mean, I would have said that i'd be like you know it's pretty cool i mean i'm glad that y'all are you know have a yeah. class that you guys can relate to it's it's way. amazing actually um and i was actually very mind blown by it i was like wow i never thought that this would happen but i'm surprised sorry what was the class called again oh god you know courses these days unless it's a psychology class where the name is literally abnormal psych and that's it um the whole name takes up two lines on an a4 paper Oh, wow. That's pretty Yeah, cool. like, because first of all, um, the subject started with interdisciplinary elective and then a colon and then representation in social media. So it's really long. I just call it the the othering representation film class. That's because it. In, in uni, we had something similar. It was just simply called genders. That's it. No, it wasn't gender studies. It was film representation, and LGBT was only one of the modules. Oh, so okay, that's yeah. why it had a long title. And you know, a lot of like the the icebreakers was basically a raise of hands, like okay, raise your hands if if you are a scholar, raise your hands if you're paying depending on the model. So yeah, so LGBT, there was raise your hand there, if you're straight. Yeah, so on on day one, we went through social class through. Is it gender, sexuality? See, I don't even know which one it is. So there's um, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. There's gender representation, if I'm not mistaken. I I guess. Uh, which is whether you are bo boy, girl, non-binary, whatever. And um, wait. There's this guy. His name is John Oliver from Last Week Tonight. I'll just send you the link. He has this excellent episode about transgender people. Where okay. he really explains the difference between um, sex and something. 
not sex as in like the act, sex as in like the gender. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it was Sorry. we we had so much stuff about that in yeah. high school and college, but I just, yeah, I just I don't know I, how I ended up quitting it. I drank like sixty percent of my tandwai rum, so that's why I can't think properly in terms of that side. But yeah, I'm not get drunk, don't worry. But no, but yeah, but can I just say like um so no, I'm really happy for the LGBT, you know, that they have all this yeah, representation yeah, yeah. and they have their own clubs and all of that. That they welcome, you know, straight people like us in, like um Yeah, uh, yeah. I forgot the names of the clubs, but yeah. No, but one thing that bothers me though is, and I want to ask you, do you feel though that because nowadays in society we really think about people's feelings in the sense that you know how before you're like, if I can do it, you can do it. Now it's kind of mm-hmm. wrong to say that because of course, each of us were born different and all of that. But also because of that, because of us thinking, not really too much, but thinking, I guess, in a deeper sense about the human experience, do you think that we've also gotten a bit soft? I'll give an example. So like, for example, um, you know how in the 90s, you're not born in the 90s, but you know Eminem, right? Oh, hell yeah. I listen to him every morning. Yeah. You know how Eminem had this song in the 2000s called Love the Way You Lie? Where yeah, he yeah, was yeah. not promoting um, partner abuse or anything, but actually that song helped lessen partner abuse. Wherein, you know, people who are being abused by their partners would either leave them or call the authorities or whatever. So it kind of, ha- I mean, the lyrics are about an abusive relationship. Okay. But he wasn't promoting it. It's like making a World War II film. Or it's like making a film about the war. It's not like the director's promoting war. He just made a film about war. Yeah. Yeah. There was this time when um, these TikTok young bloods were trying to cancel Eminem because of Love the Way You Lie. And for me, that's really snowflakey. Sorry, I know snowflake is a derogatory term, but like actions like Wait, that. What What do you mean by snowflakey? I've you know how. Heard- Oh, wait, you know the, the term snowflake? So the term snowflake is what the boomers would call young people who would stand up for people. Like, for example, um, let's say, for example, like this. Bad so like example. Or no? Like a what? Sorry. Like an activist? Is that a snowflake or is that different? In a, in a way, like, for example, you know how I mentioned about non-binary, right? And I said yeah. I, that, you know, I respect them, but I struggle with the concept. Hmm. Um, a boomer would probably say it's either a man or a woman. Period. Then yeah, okay. To be like, no, no, no. There's like the spectrum and all that. You should be canceled or whatever. Snowflakes are the people who react without analyzing, basically. Okay. For example, let's say for example, you Marcel, you have a let's say you have a relative who doesn't understand the LGBT, but right. just says, no, I think that, for example, like let's pretend I'm a boomer uncle of yours. And I say that I think it's either you can either be a man or a woman. What the fuck is a non-binary? Then you, mm-hmm. be a young person, you'd be like, oh, uncle, it's basically blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. So it's not like me attacking them. It's just me saying that I know this. This is the concept of gender that I know. So I cannot fathom what this means. Then you come in and explain. A snowflake is I say that and you say, fuck you, man. You're a boomer. That's a snowflake. Oh, okay, got it, got it, yeah, all right. Yeah, so there are a lot of these, like, young people trying to cancel Eminem for Love the Way You Lie. Okay. Which for me is like, are you dumb? He mm. does not promote 
you know, partner abuse. He's actually helping people un- understand what partner abuse is. Because, you know, yeah. it, because abuse is not just about physical abuse where you're getting punched, slapped, or Chris Brown, right? Um, abuse could be words, psychological. And all oh, of those yeah. other things, right? Yeah. So that, that, that's my question to you. Like, do you think that because we care so much about each other now, in a way, that we really analyze and reflect about the human experience that we tend to become snowflakey? I think it really depends. Because, um, okay, like when I mean, you and I, we, we're, we've got Spanish heritage. We mm. know how emotional, dis, emotionally dismissing um, Spanish families can be. Yep. Though, and dramatic. Yeah, and it's imaginable. Like I've been a psych major for three years now. I'm approaching the end of my third year, um, and only this month, or maybe ever since I moved here, and I've my relationship with my mom changed drastically. Um, on like, imagine we're we're at the end of our three months going for in this new place. Only now have I. Um, change the way my mom sees emotions, the way my mom sees disorders, you know? And I guess it helped that every time I learned something, because I'm the kind of person that if I learn something, I have to sort of teach it, to study it. And um, my mom wanted to be a doctor, but she didn't get to. So she likes it when I share what I learn in, in pre-med. So the more I, I taught her this stuff, the more she became more receptive, but before she became the um, progressive mom that she is now, like she's, she's made a lot of progress. Often, but, um, yeah. It's definitely much easier to express myself now and, and all of that. Um, she easily understands these things. And sometimes I come home from school, you know, I never thought I'd have to yell, mom, I'm home. Cause usually she'd pick me up when I was a kid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then she would come down and go, hey, what do you think of? And then she just blurts out, like, um, like I don't know, for example, a co-parent's dilemma with a daughter. My perspective as a psych major, like, what's going on with a kid? Is your, is your tita right to get mad at her? Things like that. But then back then, before she she really you know, became more progressive or more understanding of you know human behavior, um, when I would talk about these things, she would say, your generation's gone. You know, w- without really hearing me out. Yeah. And I'll, if we've just gone soft, going soft is a very subjective description, right? If we have gone soft, then why has the whole world developed both AB and BS courses on psychology? Why do we have institutions for it where people really go? get their shit sorted out why do we have grad schools that are treated as, you know as equals with law school and med school if 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 it's just being us gone soft right so you know there's this ted talk that i had watched again i forgot his name and i forgot what it's called <laughs> i'm pretty sure it had emotional hygiene in the title i'm pretty sure if you look up ted talk and you type emotional hygiene you will find it I'll type it down. Yeah. 
Um, and this, he's he's a man, he's a white male. I think he's European now because of his accent. Um, Emotional hygiene or intelligence? Hygiene. Hygiene. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, basically, he says um, the biggest frustration of being a psych major, and I relate to this on so many levels. Yeah. Um, you go like, oh, you're a pre med student, or like, oh, you're a doctor. What's your specialty? Psychiatry. They go, oh, so you're not really a doctor. Wait, so it's uh, why we all need to practice emotional first aid by Guy Winch. I don't know his name. Guy Winch. I don't know why I don't take note of these things. Yeah, 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 him, him. Yeah. Yes, him. I remember his forehead. (laughs) I mean, it is. So, um, he's got an accent when he talks, right? You know he's all Caucasian, like American. Yeah, Yeah, okay, then it's him. With a Um, name like Guy Wynch, he's probably British. His name is Guy. I already know where he's... (laughs) I don't know. I mean, there's there's this comedy that I've seen that white people from America are actually named verbs. Are named what? Verbs. You got a dude named Rob. You got a dude named Jim. You know, it's... I mean, I it was a funny thing I saw. It is, and, it is funny, it is, but it's just like... And he's, he's Hispanic as well. I think, I think. He, I think he was Hispanic and he said, what is it with you white people and naming people after verbs? And then he named so much, I can't remember all of them. But anyway, um, this guy, he says, um, so people say, oh, so you're not actually a doctor. And he's like, sure. You know, like just to get it over with. But then he says, it's easy to brush that away um, because technically, you know, you are a doctor. People just don't understand you. The problem is when you're not really from the, the mental health care world um, and you have ineffective ways of thinking like for example your your thoughts are catastrophic you blow things out of proportion you rationalize or you you're a shudder or a muster where you think for example oh um, so for example you have a toxic relationship with a parent people would say okay leave doesn't mean that's your parent you got to tolerate it but as a should thinker, you think, no, but that's my mom. I should respect her, should let her abuse me, right? So you see how it's problematic. Um, yeah. Basically, what, oh, there's a huge mosquito, sorry. I live in a rainforest now, and it's Jumanji here. Um, <laughs> I've never seen shit this big, man. Um, and basically, this guy, he said, when you get a cut, like you're in the kitchen, you use a knife, you get a cut. No one says, oh, no, you're bleeding. Let's, let's, let's cut it deeper. Nobody says that. Everyone goes, oh, shit, shit, wash it, put pressure, clean it up. Let's take it to the hospital right now. Like, yes, now, it up, yeah. Right? It's pronto. But when you come to someone crying, they're like, eh, you'll get over it. Just don't think about it. It's all in your head. Well, like, damn, you cut yourself. No, don't think about it. It's all in your hand. You'll be fine. It doesn't work the same way. Yeah. Right? So that's, um, it's... This is actually something I had a conversation with today was um, I had a counseling session and um, 
the most frustrating thing as anybody studying psychology or working in psychology is that it's like being a photographer. You are really good at being there for people. You're really good at understanding them. You validate them. You're, you're the best person for them, basically, or at least you try to be. You know, like, um, I could be this stranger on campus. I see this kid crying. I'm a surprise shrink. Okay, cry it out to me on the bench. I won't even tell you my name. And I could be 10 times more helpful than his mother when he goes home. Just because I know how to take care of someone, you know, yeah. mentally speaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I'm in need, and the unfortunate thing is, I'm not really close to any of my fellow psych majors. And that makes it so hard for me when it's my turn to to need someone, because I like know. a photographer who finally needs a, a you know portrait of themselves, it's never nice, you know. And as as, as a psych major, as as someone you know who understands how to mentally take care of people, and as the only one in my family who does this, you know, I'm I'm not close to my fellow psych majors, so I can't really cry to them. Yeah. And there's always a joke like, dude, just look at your notes. You'll be fine. Like, <laughs> thanks. You know? So it's it's difficult when you know that these people care about you, but they can't take care of you. You know, like you can you can cry to your, your siblings, to your parents, and you know they love you. But instead of helping you, they'd go, Oh, you'll be fine. I had it much worse. So it's like, so it's like, okay, um, so you mean to tell me if you're in your happiest moment ever, like, let's say, um, I'm not saying this is legit, but let's say, for example, because my brother got engaged, right? Yeah. Let's say I cry to him like, oh God, I fought with, with dad and, and it was so bad. And he goes, well, that's it. Oh, I had a bigger fight with dad when you were younger. That's nothing. You'll be fine. Let's say, let's say, for example, my brother does that to me, which he, he hasn't, so he's walking I'm not blaming you, Korea. <laughs> I'm just using you as an example. Um, so then would it then be valid for me to go to him on his wedding day? Like, are you happy, Korea? Yeah, I'm really happy. I got to marry the love of my life. Well, you know, other people had better weddings than you, so don't be very happy because it's not as good as what other people had. I would be an asshole to say that. You would, you would, yeah. But if people were to tell me, I've had bigger problems than you. Don't cry. Yours is nothing. Is it supposed to help me? No, you just called me weak. Thank you. Leave. You know? And that's that's the thing. Um, the struggle with being the only one you know that studies this thing is even if you have all these people saying, I'm here to help you, I appreciate the support you're extending, but the thing is you're not good at it. You're making it worse. You know? So it's 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 one of the frustrations. Like, don't even get me started on. Oh, so you're not really a doctor? Like, yeah, that doesn't it doesn't hurt me. I'm like, oh, you're not actually a pre-med That doesn't hurt me. The struggle is when I need someone. It's hard. And then, like, for for example, I'd go to someone like someone I love or someone that I know cares about me, tell them how I feel, and then they do that thing where they go, "It's nothing compared to what I've been through." Like, first of all, did I ask? No, you know? Second, this isn't about you, it's about me. Like, I'm sorry I didn't suffer as bad as you did, but the thing is, this is the worst that's happened to me. Pain is relative that way. 
Yeah. And but if you tell them, if you tell them no, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to say this. It's instead of them giving you the comfort that you sought, it's going to be a fight between you and them and how you don't appreciate what they give you, how they're not good enough. So then you end up pacifying that person and saying, no, no, I didn't mean to tell you you're not enough. And then it just blows up. And then when you're emotionally exhausted from trying to, you know, keep that relationship with a person, yep, you come out exhausted and you realize, wow, I just risked a relationship with someone and I'm still feeling like crash. Especially like when you've given your all and when you are filled up, they say, okay, when I'm better, I will never bother you again. Like, Dude, yeah. So it's like if earlier, if earlier you asked me what kind of film would I want to make, obviously in my head it was entertainment. But if you were to ask me what book would I write, oh shit, this would be a whole episode about the books I would write, man. Like this would be a, a TED a TED talk because today actually I started writing a book that I will actually never publish and that's because I call it um what was it I can't even remember the damn title of my own book <laughs> so that is that is the problem with me um I, I at the top of my head I think I called it um the handbook to a strange family and Basically, what it is, is I am studying my family in terms of what makes them good and what makes them bad. Well, not good and bad in like a, a Disney sense, but like yeah. what are the red flags? Um, how do they respond to certain triggers? And the reason for this is because personality is to an extent inherited and then altered by nurture. But anything, absolutely anything can cause um, what's it called when you go back to bad habits? Like, Starts uh, with relapse. Relapse, yeah. 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 Any any absolute thing. Like I could change it within 10 years and like let's say I leave this whole world behind. And then a cousin that I haven't seen since I was 10 comes back. I could snap back into old back habits. Yeah. You know. So I'm I'm writing this little personal guide for my family because we've it's pretty damn obvious especially to me and my brother and my mom that we you know despite our mom's very very big effort to get rid of like whatever we don't like in the, in the family cycle there are some of us that can't help but follow it and they're clueless you know, you know what they say when you when you don't know history you're bound to repeat it yeah literally you know, and I thought, you know, if it wasn't enough that mom and dad told us stories, then maybe it's because they were a bunch of what ifs. And they were a bunch of people who were blaming themselves for what went wrong. But if I'm able to step away from my family and look at them as subjects to study, then maybe I could write, like, for example, okay, my mom's defense mechanism is rationalization. And she got that because growing up, she always had to defend herself. You know, so if she'd tell me, um, Chet, let's go out today. I got to buy ingredients. Like, okay, mom. She would still explain why she needs to buy it. And I'm like, hey, stop. I already said we can go. You know, it, it, I, I want to write these things as a guide. So I, I told my brother, if one day one of our kids is acting up 
All you got to do is open that little Google Doc that I made and compare which relative he might have inherited that predisposition from. And then think of how we screwed up with that relative. So let's say, for example, my, because I have two brothers, right? Let's say one of my brothers has a toxic trait. And because we didn't know yet how to approach it, we touched the wrong buttons. So then I, I write down what those wrong buttons are and what we should have done. Yeah. And that yeah. way, when we, when we have like the next generation and we're noticing that they're so just showing signs, we know how to approach them better. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. And actually end the cycle and not just, you know, if you think about it, you want to end the cycle. Sure. What's your solution? You write it down. Because if you think about it, the same way that arthritis is inherited, you know, hypothyroidism can be inherited. It's why my brother and I get tested every year. Um, these th these matters of the mind can be inherited. ADHD runs in my family, right? So I, I want to write all of this down. And I told my brother, whether you like it or not, I'm going to write it. And, you know, there might not be a need for it in the next five to ten years. But when these kids get older, and they start showing signs and you're like, oh, this is familiar. This kid reminds me of my sister when she's angry. Look at that little book. Okay, this pisses her off. I'm going to try not to do that. You know, literally a handbook to a family. Um, but a second book that I do want to write. And, you know, people would say, don't throw your ideas out there because people are either going to kill it before it's even born or they're going to yeah. steal it before you even write it. Yeah. And honestly... If you're going to steal it, I don't care because if you're going to write it, I just write a sequel or a supplement to your book. Go take it. Because I want to write about how the whole thing I told you about when you're a psych major, you can take care of everyone, but you don't, you can't do that back. And you can't really just find a classmate, make them your best friend. That way you have your personal strength. It doesn't work like that. You know, so, you know, it's, it's like a little book of how to be that good person to people. Yeah. Like, um, like for example, if, if, if someone comes to you, wants to vent, ask them in advance, do you want me to listen to you? Or do you want me to offer a solution or like advice? And then at the end of the rant session, you ask them, do you still want me to, and then you ask if their initial answer stands true or if they change their mind. Because sometimes, you know, I tell Kyle, I want you to just listen to me. And he's like, okay. And at the end of my rant session, I'm like, no, actually, could you help me out? You know, and when they when they change their mind, you don't go, but I thought you didn't want any. Because then you just frustrate them. Right? And another thing is, um, some like, you know how kids are better raised when you talk to them like adults? Like, you don't baby their vocabulary you have to allow adults to regress. So what do I mean? Like when someone's being childish, binge watching Pixar, you met me after I spent two days watching Pixar. Remember I was struggling to name all 12? Yeah. Yeah, that's how we met. So I actually had a very big regressional phase. I just binged on popcorn and Pixar yeah. because I was stressed. Um, and you gotta allow people to do that in coping. So what do I mean? If they wanna hug their knees, if they wanna submerge themselves in the water, let them do that and supervise them. But at the same time, when you talk to them, you know, the five whys of parenting, when your child is throwing a tantrum, they most likely can't pinpoint the source. So you got to ask them, oh, why? Why? Five times until they get to the core of it. 
But sometimes children also don't know how to express themselves and that pisses them off more. So when you notice you're talking to your child, you know, what's wrong, what's wrong? What's wrong is such a big question for someone with such limited vocabulary. So the more they try to answer this question, the more they throw a tantrum, like, I don't know, I don't know, I hate the world, I'm mad at you, all that stuff, they start hating you, you know? So an adult that's overwhelmed, that doesn't know where to start, like, you, you can tell they're clueless, they're, they're like, what are you feeling? And they just stare at you like, I have no clue. Then you have to start treating them like they're kids, ask yes or no questions, are you mad? Are you embarrassed? Are you frustrated? Because if you give them a chance to answer yes or no, then it's a bit more welcoming. So can I ask you, um, what if you ask and the kid doesn't want to answer? Like if you ask a kid how they're feeling and they don't want to answer? Yeah, like why, why do you believe this? Why, why are you like this? Or, you know, something like that. Like you're doing so, the five whys, mm. but they just choose to just do this or they just pretend to sleep or whatever. Like, what can you do? Because, you know, for me, like, Marcella, um, uh, for me, I would like to think that when it comes to adults, it's easier for me to, to understand. And we've had private conversations where I've let you know mm-hmm. my frustrations about certain people and all of that. But, of course, kids is a whole different ball game, right? So what oh, if the yeah, kid is like, you ask him, why do you believe this? Why do you want this? Or, or you know, you use the five whites, whatever. And they don't answer. Okay, well, given we live in a country where people are not really just bilingual, sometimes a lot of us suck at being bilingual. Okay, let's just, let's just assume that, you know, you, you ask them in the language in a way that you know they understand. Well, regardless of if they know the language or not, there's always a struggle of their vocabulary is a bit dull. And sometimes, it, I mean, I guess some kids have this fear of expressing themselves because if it, you don't know if their parents yell at them. You know, like, I, I don't know if you've witnessed a lot of um, Filipinos or parents anywhere when they confront their kids and the kid is, you know, shocked, they're, they're staring at their parents in fear. And, you know, the parent goes, answer me. So you're like, oh shit, I can't think. Um, And then you blurt the first thing and then boom, the whole conversation is a fight. Uh, so okay. I, I haven't witnessed kid, that, but I get it, yeah. For a kid, um, they could go mental block just by the fact that they've never pressure. been in this pressure before. So, I mean, I, I haven't taken a specialized course in pediatric psychiatry, but I think we all know if a kid can't talk, a kid can draw. So would I say pay attention to the pressure of the crayon? No, because the, for all you know, the kid has underdeveloped motor skills and they can't control pressure, right? I mean, growing up, I always color very deeply. Exactly. Only because right? I thought that the color was too light. Exactly. So I guess in a kid, you can't really analyze, you know, in a graphology sort of perspective. It's more of like just, and it's not going to happen in one sitting. You know, you're going to tire the kid out. How many naps did they take in a day? So understanding, I mean, they hate naps, but they sometimes they just knock out, you know? And so understanding how, it's, it's a process of drawing, 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 and then paying attention to 
what forms of literature do you find them amused by? Because the but then again, that kind of complicates it because of fucking TikTok, right? No, yeah, but like for example, you give them Netflix or Disney Plus, you're gonna notice a theme and what they find interesting. What if it's okay? I, can I just play devil's advocate for the next few minutes? Yeah. Okay. What if all they watch is like local vloggers, and it's all whoops, and it's all nonsense. I really mean it. I'm not. I'm not trying to be a judger by vloggers or whatever, what? but like legitimately, it is really nonsense. Like, do they know that there's other literature out there? Like, they just don't like. I, I don't like. You know, when I was a kid, I was really a fucking nerd. Um, that I loved reading and all of that, but you know, when you, I mean, Marcella, you were born in two thousand two, yeah, and I was born in nineteen ninety two, and um, you know, like I've always, I mean, uh, during our days, we didn't really have fucking vloggers. <laughs> okay, like, the vloggers we had was like Steve Irwin, taking you know, talking oh. about like crocodiles and whatever. But <laughs> no way. I mean, he's the closest one, but I respect him. You know, he's a great, um, when it comes to, you know, animals and all of that, respect 100%, legend, all of that. But nowadays, you guys, you, you, okay, like, I'm going to name a few vloggers. I have nothing against them. I think they're good people. They're non-problematic. But like guys at Kong TV, um, they vlog about, like, jokes about all of that. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not really literature wherein, you, you know, it helps... Um, deepen um, the viewer's understanding of life yeah. or the viewer's vocabulary or their education or whatever. It's just more of like the kind of entertainment people watch to not think. Hmm. And my, and I find that very problematic because like, you yeah. know, when I have kids in the future, I, I, you know, as adults, like what you mentioned, we need to regress at times that we need to watch silly things to distress. And that's fine. Hmm. Yeah. But when you have young kids, like me, um, I grew up with the weirdest cartoons. I had Red and Stimpy. I had um, Recess and all of that. Yeah. But I love reading. Hmm. A lot of the kids nowadays, they just watch YouTube and they're okay. Hmm. And it's just more of I wish that, you know, I have nothing against these local vloggers, especially the non-problematic ones. You know, like, if they just want to vlog about, like, silly games and whatever, that's fine. Sure. But what if the kid, that's all he's exposed to? And because that's all he's exposed to, that's all that they want. Mm, so, yeah. so how do you analyze that? Because I get your point. What the fuck okay. for me? As a kid, I only loved history. Originally, when I was a kid, I loved reading history books. I was such a fucking nerd. Hmm. Right. Well, I'm sorry. It's really cold. I'm just gonna like lower the AC. Keep talking. I can sure. hear you. So, like you know, when I was a kid, I was really a nerd. I loved history, and that's it. But when I grew up, I got other, other genres and all of that. So I kind of get that when you mention that. What if the genre changes? They say from history, they like romance or whatever. But what if they like nonsense stuff? How do you how do you analyze that? Well, well, for starters, it's gonna be difficult to study that because sometimes it's the only one they know or it's the only one they know how to access um so, i mean it's 
they're at an earlier stage. Literally, there's nothing to regress to other than when they were still in the womb. So, excuse me, when in terms of analyzing that, I'd say, dude, it's either the kid has matured and wants to just stop thinking because the household is toxic, or just honestly, dude, tell the parents, can you like change that? Because it's going to rot their brains out. That's that's honestly all I've got to say. Like, there's, I don't think there's a deeper thing to that. So like, but, if, how you, but how do you tell the kid, hey, let's watch something else? Then they throw a tantrum and all of that. I don't know, man. I'm 20. <laughs> but it's like... But man, um, I, mean, like, I, I mean, I would think myself as the old wise man, but you got your like, you're like way, you're like years ahead. No, of for me, it's like, you remember the thing I told you about rock, paper, scissors and drawing? Yeah. It's like, they go, no, I don't want to watch that. I want to watch this thing. Some days you're going to be like, okay, we watch one Kong TV video. And then can we watch my movie? And then you act like you're the one that wants it. And, you know, if they love you, they're going to be like, okay. You know, they're going to do it with you. That's why I told you. That's why I told you if you want to draw with said child. You got to draw with the child, even if you're trash at it. Oh, no. Yeah, no. But this is more like, I I guess it's just more on... No, I get you. I completely get you, Marcella. And you yeah. know, I respect that you're super, you know, you're, you're, you know, um, you're still young in terms of understanding human yeah. brains and all of that. But, you know, like what I said, I, I consider you a very deep person. You understand these things better than people like me who never, really un, you know, who never really studied this. But it's just more of like, I guess the question is, Let's assume that the kid is difficult. How do you approach that? Because, you know, when you get what you always want in life and you're not given it, let's say you're, oh, you always get what you want, 100 straight times. Then the 101th time you don't get it, you're like, what the fuck, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, are you familiar with the thing we call attachment styles? No, they're not. Well, basically, they're like your first ever personality trait. It's what Freud would describe as in your id or like your most childish um, self. And, you know, these temperaments, they are. um, It's like when you leave uh, an infant in a room, like the mother leaves the infant and the kid's like, and they just continue playing. And when the mom comes back, they're happy. You know, there are these temperaments that when when you leave the kid just to use the bathroom, they start throwing fit. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're you're a happy kid, that you're easy to raise. Because what if you're you're born naturally happy, but your mom is like grim. So there's also this thing we call goodness of fit, which is basically if children are compatible with their parents. Yes, it's a thing. Like it's not just a couple's dating thing. Sometimes you can be incompatible with your parents, and that's totally normal. You know, um, it doesn't we mean every day. I mean, it doesn't mean they made us, but we should get along with them. See, that's what I mean by the term should. That's why it's problematic. Because having a label implies a relationship that should follow said label. Right? Same with siblings, actually. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, you know, first thing you're going to want to ask, kids' attachment style, their temperament, um, and how, how that works with the mother. Or like whoever parent is there, like what do you guys are you guys compatible? You know, um, because us we also have our own temperaments. That's why 
your temperament as a child becomes your attachment style as an adult. So that's why you have certain people who are just constantly on and off with people, people who are so secure, people who are avoidant. And here's the thing, your attachment style as a kid doesn't necessarily stay to when you're an adult. So I was a very secure baby. I think I was probably the most secure out of us three. But I'm also actually probably the most avoidant of us three. No, well, there's my other brother, but in the spectrum of secure and avoidant, I'm leaning toward avoidant. And it's because of the things that had happened to me in my adolescent years. Though, because I am blessed to be with a good partner, I am leaning back to being more secure. Because then again, that is my natural programming, you know. Right. Um, so then you, because he's that early on in his life, like he's, he's not even two digits of age, right? He's just like less than a decade old. They're probably still uh, in the temperament that they were born with. Um, and that's really the key to understanding how to approach the kid, the temperament, especially that young. That's 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 really all there is to it, and like I can't go very deep into it now because it's very now, yeah. 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 Sorry, um, we're gonna go to Asteroid. He has like a few good comments, so let's go to him. Sorry, so I, I I don't know if he's like your friend or what. Asteroid. Yeah. That's how so, toxic local vloggers. Well, I mentioned that, but here this is what he said. So. So my kids are addicted to gadgets, playing Roblox. But I noticed if I gave them, if I gave time with them, they actually want to play with me. Board games, going out to the playground. Um, at the moment, I'm trying to create good habits for them, such as making them make reading a habit. Okay. So I, I think that's good. No, I mean, like you know, I agree with you that. I I, I mean, you know, Marcella, we had a lot of um private conversations. And you know where we really got to relate, like in terms of my family, as well. I mean, I consider myself the most logically sound person, mm. um, and all of that. But I don't match with them, and all of that. So, when it comes to like kids, I guess that's why I find it a bit difficult because, as someone who's logical in their approach, and you think you speak with someone who is naturally not yet logical because you know when like what you you remember you pointed out that you don't have memories when you're five or six but maybe when you're like eight well, and whatever they're, they, they're foggy but here's here's the thing i think you remember i think it was the second episode we did together which is a part one this is our part two yeah damn we spent like an hour and a half on movies <laughs> i know um, are you game for a part three by the way but yeah. of course not for this month. We can probably do it in March or something. Dude, you you know I'm down for that. Um, but we is it here? No, see, I'm not yet done unpacking because this this bookshelf just got installed recently. Um yeah. but there's a book, I think it's called um it's this what's the name of the here I go again. This this episode should be called Marcella Forgetting Everything What Everything is Called. Um it's, it's Marcella Forgets, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's um it's this book by Mark Manson or Mason Manson, I think it's like what's this blue book? I know the other one is Everything Is Fucked. I know oh. the blue book is Everything Is Fucked, and the first one is A Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm reading the blue book, right? Yeah, I'm reading the blue book, and um 
it's said there. I mean, basically, if anyone's interested in Mark Manson, I think it beautifully puts to layman's terms everything that we psych majors want to tell you about. Like, I mean, of course, except for the whole disorder thing. But the thing I told you where I want to write a book about how to be there for people, his book is more general in a way. And uh, it's not telling you how to be there for people. It's telling you about people, about why they do what they do, why people think a certain way. And he, in a, I think it was chapter two, he talked about a clown car. He said, in this clown car, you think that your logic is driving and your feeling is navigating, right? Like this is your clown car. But the thing is, that's what he describes it to be. So it's easier for people to understand. But currently what we're studying is that this, the logic part of your brain is your super ego. And the feelings or, you know, the impulses, this is your id. And the vehicle that is driving is your ego. So if you know the cartoons of like angel and demon, human on the shoulders, and then you're trying to weigh out what they're telling you the angel is your super ego the demon yeah. is and you are the ego and basically your job as the ego is to balance it you know you have to find the middle ground and in his clown car he said we all think that it should be logic driving and it's feeling navigating because people think there are times where you have to shut down your feelings in order to function right but the yeah. thing is, when you shut down your feelings, you shut down your very purpose, you're not motivated. Next thing you know, you're a robot. So what he says is who should be driving technically is your feelings with, an, with a navigator as your logic. And he said, well, what do you mean he's, he should be driving? He's, he's the childish one, the impulsive one. So what logic is trying to do is not boss around feelings. It's to meet feelings halfway, see each other as equals, and drive together. You know, feelings has to listen to logic, because logic says, if you do as I say, we're going to get there safely, we're going to get there on time, we're going to have a nice, you know, maybe we're going to be okay. And then feelings might say, well, yeah, that's fast, but it's ugly. This one is long, but there's no traffic in it. So you see why they have to negotiate with each other, meet each other halfway. Sometimes it has to be feeling to drive without listening to logic, but sometimes it has to listen to logic wholeheartedly and go, are you sure? Okay, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to follow anyway. Um, and so at the end of this analogy, he said, emotional problems need emotional solutions and logical problems need logical solutions. But that doesn't necessarily mean that when it's a logical problem, you get rid of all subjectivity, right? Yeah. So basically it's a matter of balancing it, but which one should probably be the more dominant in that case? Because let's face it, you can't really remove the humanity of something. You, can. just, you, you can't do that. What you yeah. can do is look at it more objectively, Yeah. but you still a bit of subjectivity. Really can't remove that we're humans. Yeah. So like, that's that's really um. Heck, everyone out there, if you want to just be less of a dick to people, just read Mark Manson's books, man. He explains people really well. Like, if you don't want to have to be gruesome, 
you know, deadlines of college, all the readings, just read those books and you're, you're pretty much going to be as helpful as we are. So can I, um, so Asheroy has another comment. So okay. control the feelings and you will get to where you want. Most decisions are based in emotions, which I agree. I mean, Marcella, um, you're probably going to disagree with me, but you know, I'm very logical, right? Yeah. And I hate it when people are overly emotional. Mm. Like, you know, for me, it's like this. When a person acts a certain way, could you please just, you know, step, take a step back and think, why are they saying these things? Why are they acting out and all these things? You know, I really just hate it when people are illogical and they use their emotions. Because for me, it's like, yes, we have emotions for a reason. But if you're going to use your emotions to drive your life fully without the partnership you described, you'll never be happy. Exactly. And this is what uh, Freud actually describes as a person ruled by their id. So basically the joker. Everything is on impulse. It's chaos. So what, actually, can you bring up what Roy said again? The control of the feelings? Yeah, because, okay, in the last episode we did, I told you being STEM made me more logical and it made it hard for me to be human because I yeah. sort of forgot what it's like to feel things. Yeah. Um, and that and, of course, you know, all this shit I went through as a teenager. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, but he says most decisions are based in emotions. Actually, have you heard the thing where procrastination is actually not laziness but an emotional problem i heard that yeah but it's something i didn't understand because i it's, always do things in advance it's true because um well based on what we studied procrastination isn't that you're delaying the task for the sake of delaying it. it's you're delaying it because of the feeling of dread that comes with the task um, but for people who just um, really look lazy, there's no emotional drain to it. It's as simple as what's in it for me. And that's the emotional burden of it. There's no personal gain. So in other words, tinatamad kasi hindi mahikinabang. But um, this is actually something I noticed in someone close to me. This person has, sadly, no ambition. And I thought that was strange. I've never seen anyone without ambition. And I realized this person lived in a toxic household that required um, this person to numb themselves with emotion. And I thought, hmm, if we procrastinate to, well, you know, to delay a negative feeling, would that then mean that we try not to dream so we don't be disappointed? Or do we not have enough emotions to dream about something for ourselves? So when you say decisions are rooted in emotions, I'd say yes. But I'd say ambitions are rooted in bigger emotions that we're passionate about, right? So, you know, I've seen a lot of people who had to numb themselves because they're from a toxic environment. And it, it's, it's two things. One is that they have enough willpower to go beyond, you know, and they, they have all these ambitions. They're saying, I'm going to have a better life than this. I'm going to make sure my kids don't have this. Yeah, And then there are those who just say, it's pointless. I'm just going to do this till I die, I guess. You know? And those people who say, I'm just going to do this till I die, pretty much have successfully numbed themselves to the point that there's no desire for something better. So that's, that's when you know logic is one. And feelings is just tied up in the trunk of the car while logic is driving. Yeah. 
yeah yeah you know it's just i don't know like i think you pretty know me pretty well i mean with our conversations and stuff and i do feel at times i do struggle um balancing the two but can i just ask you like okay so maybe some people think that therapists can read people that's not fully 100 true but based on you know we've had three episodes i think together and we've spoken all of that what kind of person do you think i am like no bias just go ahead like like are we talking in terms of like the the clown car whatever you want well i've known you for how long like a year is it already yeah probably yeah and like we've only seen each other in person like twice Once. twice yeah twice recently twice um and the rest are just calls here or chatting yeah i'd say you're more driven by your logic and you know here's the thing about you the emotion that i see in you it's um Actually, the most common emotion that I see in you in our private calls is actually frustration. And it's frustration with people who are emotionally and mentally just blown up everywhere. You know? Um, so here's the funny thing. I see you as a logical guy. And imagine dark humor would i say that dark humor plays on logic i think so because i listened to jigsaw by daniel sauce finally jesus and he's actually the thing about dark humor is it's also logical yeah i guess that's why it's an acquired taste you have to have reached some certain how can i say i don't really want to say you have to be cultured to understand it but it's an acquired level maybe yeah because you have to reach a certain level of wokeness or something, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess in that sense, you're a logical person. And emotion is kind of like, I don't know if I'm using the right term for this. It's like your fail safe or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, and in case, in case of emergency, you, you pull it out. You know, like it's because from the calls that I've had with you, you know, we, we, we have little dork sessions where we talk about behavior, about movies. Yeah. I mean, very good conversations that could actually yeah. be a podcast episode. Yeah. And um, I think you're more a logical type, or at least that's the side of you that I'm seeing. You know, and the, again, like the most predominant emotion that I get from you is frustration, again, because people are being illogical. Yeah. So that's that's honestly like how I see you, or at least that's the side that you're showing me. Yeah. And I think that, that that's fair, because I think I've told you this. I, I could be wrong or whatever, but with Spanish heritage or whatever, you're talking about that drama and all of that. I really hate that. Like, it's just know, not even people. just drama. It's just it's emotions are so dismissed. Yeah, but, but here's the funny thing: They're, they dis, they dismiss your emotions, but they don't know they're the one for dramatic. Yeah, right. So, so I mean, you have to agree. I mean, it's so frustrating. And growing up, I always told myself, 
that I would never be like that. Because how I see things is, okay, so you have logic and emotion, right? Yeah. Logic helps you make um, certain decisions in life. Um, how you see friendships, how you see partners, how you see work or whatever. Emotions is when it comes to personal time. So let's say you have a partner. When you're doing anything with them, situational. Maybe at times it needs to be logic and at times it needs to be emotional. Yes. So the thing is, as humans, we cannot be robots where all we use is just logic, period. We need our emotions. But like what you said, you see that I'm frustrated by people who are illogical because it's more of, instead of using logic, use emotions. And because you do that, you unnecessarily break relationships. Yeah, you yeah. Unnecessarily, um, it's more about, I hate people who are prideful, ignorant, and know that they're the problem but choose not to change. Can I ask you one question, Marcella? Hmm. If, let's say, someone close to you, someone you really care about, tells you, I have no positive memory of you that I can think of right now, that because of you, you cause a certain trauma on them, would you not want to fix it? Would you not want to talk to them and say, hey, um, let's discuss this. Hey, um, okay, I understand. How can I fix this? Or you know what I mean, something like that. Wouldn't you say something like that? I'd want to because I'd be very concerned. Yeah, you would, right? Like any yeah. normal person would be. Yeah, and like I, I probably wouldn't just say, "Oh, we have to talk about that." No, I'd go like, like let's let's say for example, though I've never had this conversation with my partner, but yeah, yeah, yeah. this is the example right now. Let's say we would fight. Hope he's asleep right now. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure he's tuned in. But if he passed out, that is also fine. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. an athlete. Obviously, he's passed out by now. Um, but let's let's say in an alternate universe, he's toxic as heck because he's really not. He's very nice. Um, he'd say that to me. Um, I wouldn't just say, hey, let's talk about it. I would actually immediately jump to, how about the time when? And then I'd name said event. You know, it's it's that level of a concern. Like, whoa, you mean you forgot about this thing? You know, like, I wouldn't just go, oh, really? Oh, damn, that sucks. Because I remember. It, it wouldn't happen like that, especially, like, the more connected to you that I am. I'd want to know why I'm bad for you. Or yeah. am I the problem? Or am, or am I just your target right now? You know, it's... Like, just more of that. Like, I, I think you're pretty spot on. It's just that... I'm just frustrated with those who use emotions when you're supposed to use logic. Yeah. It's just so frustrating because, you know, for me, guys, like like what you mentioned, you're the youngest in your family, and yet you, you're the most, um, sorry, what was the term you used a while ago? Bro, I can't even name the movies. Avoid them or something like that? Oh, know. No, I don't. Um, I think I was the most secure baby. I think. Yeah, secure, secure. There. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. here's the thing: like, I'm the youngest, which means I should be less. Um, I mean, generally speaking, less experienced. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's logic it's, that the person who lived longer should have more experience, logically speaking. Yeah. But of course, you have to put in the human experience and all of that. But it's just more of like, 
if I can come from the same family as you, where the problem is people use their emotions as of their logic, what's stopping you from doing the same? I'm not saying I'm better than you. I'm not saying that because I can do it, you can't. But what's hindering you from doing the same in your own way? Like what? what's stopping me from using emotions like their logic? Is, is that what you're asking? Like what's stopping you from using logic more than emotions in your own way? Because again, we all live our lives differently. We all analyze things differently. We have our own ways of living life. And just because I do a certain thing doesn't mean that you should do it exactly the same. I respect that you're a different person and you'll solve the problem differently. Like, okay, like for example, let's say one plus one equals two, right? That's a universal. Mm-hmm. How I see it is I write one, I I write the plus sign, I put, put one equals two. But some people may need to get two objects. Let's say two oranges. They get one orange, another orange equals two. So yeah. it's not the same different ways of getting the same answer but the way they got it is different but you still come up with the same answer sorry does that make sense yeah 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 it's like a different route in the same place yeah Yeah. well okay like honestly this is just how i look at it or at least how i want to see it yeah that you know especially when they don't like, let's say, for example, my mom. Like I told you, it took me three years to show her the difference between thoughts and emotions. Yeah. The difference between a memory and my thoughts on that memory. You know, th- there are differences between these things. But because, you know, to to a Filipino, they might all be generalized under one term, which is katang isip. Yeah. Or isip, merely isip. Um. In, in English, there's so much, you know. Um, and if you, you got to cut them some slack if they haven't gone through the rigorous training and jargons that you have. That maybe for them, emotions and thoughts are interchangeable. Why? Because, for example, you, you would ask me, hey, how do you feel about this movie? Right? I could answer you, logically, it's annoying because of this loophole. But at the same time, you think about it, the logic is us. Yeah, us, exactly. So if you th- that answer, that very answer, like the question is general, how do you feel about it, right? So yeah. even if the word is feel, you express your thoughts about it. And your thought is that it's, um, you express an emotion, I'm annoyed at it because, and then the logical reason for your annoyance. Yeah. So usually they go hand in hand. And, you know, if you're talking about a dismissive, um, Hispanic parents, um, there tends to be a difference between you know, expressing your thoughts is the same as expressing your feelings. So this is, I guess, pretty much why when you express yourself to an adult, it's perceived as disrespect. Yeah. Because expressing yourself might as well be the equi- equivalent of you pointing fingers at them, telling them they've screwed up. So it's, if people just choose emotion over logic, I don't think they're doing it on purpose. I think they might not be as mindful because they're not aware there's a difference. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm thinking generally speaking. No, no, no. I think that makes sense. It's just more of, 
I guess the frustrating part is when you point it out so many times and they still just don't see it. Oh, that's, yeah, that's that's the problem right that, there. That, 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 that's the difference. But yeah, Marcella, sorry. I'm going to cut this short because we're going two and a half hours and I don't want to do that. We're going to go for part three when you're free. I know. This is the it's second time cool. we're doing this. <laughs> I mean, it could be the fourth time, technically. Um, I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. Like, we clap this season. We're just doing 24 episodes. Even if I do 18 with you, that's not a problem because, you know, we're doing, you know, great, deep stuff and all of that. But, Marcella, thank you for being here. It's like 1230. I don't want to keep you up because, you know, you have class and all. Uh, Iglap will be back in two weeks. Not with Marcella. She'll be back in March. If she's free, we'll, we'll talk about her schedule. But until then, thanks, everyone. Marcella, thank you. And bye, everyone. Good night.